This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 280 with Tone Vase. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, I'm joined by my friend Tone Vase that will be sharing and discussing the more technical side of Bitcoin. Tone has worked on Wall Street for almost 10 years, starting as a risk analyst at Bear Stearns and later becoming vice president at JP Morgan Chase in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. His expertise is in economic trends, trading, and risk analysis. Ever since getting involved in the cryptocurrency ecosystem in the early 2013, he has been very active in spreading the relevance and importance of this technology as it helps promote economic freedom. Tone was featured in a Bitcoin documentary, Magic Money, uh, he was formerly the head of research at Brave New Coin after previously writing about trading and economics at Cointelegraph. Tone is now an independent content creator at Liberty Life Trail, focused on sound economics, privacy, free thinking, and adventurous travel. Tone holds a master's degree in financial engineering from Florida State University, along with a bachelor's degree in mathematics and geology. Please share your feedback and thoughts on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja to 44222. I'm publishing weekly and daily videos on YouTube. You can check out all of my videos at youtube.com forward slash cashflow ninja. Please subscribe to my channel to get updates when I post these videos. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you are an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You'll learn how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies, how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash 
crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Joining me is Tone Vase. Uh, Tone, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be back. It's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little while. Excited to have you back on. What have you been up to? Oh, man, I've been really busy. My popularity as a content creator has really gone through the roof since we last spoke. Uh, I've probably like tripled, quadrupled my Twitter followers, my YouTube followers. I'm now over 130,000 Twitter over 50,000 on YouTube. That one is growing fast. I'm trying to focus on my YouTube subscribers, uh, trying to get that up. Uh, Twitter uh, decided to ban me recently, accused me of being a bot. I don't even tweet that much because I'm focusing on YouTube. And they wanted my phone number in order to verify me as a person. So I just went to Twitter with another account. And I said, hey, guys, it looks like I won't be tweeting until Twitter releases me because I'm not giving them my phone number. And Twitter support must have got flooded with my followers because I got it back <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's been a lot of stuff going on in social media. I see a lot of channels being censored and shut down. And there's a, it's, a, it's a crazy world we live in. It is. It is. And um, like you want to get to like enough stature as a popular person that you have a good enough influence that boom, your followers can get you out of that situation. It's like if you're going to be on a, on a list that they don't like, you'd rather be near the top of that list uh, than somewhere to the bottom because then you can't really do anything about it. Right. A absolutely. Now, uh, you did a fantastic uh, episode sharing about Bitcoin, what Bitcoin is, how it works, the exciting opportunities and, and possibilities. And there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in crypto and blockchain and Bitcoin. Um, let's talk about what happened uh, since we last spoke because we saw a big run up, obviously a huge explosion. I think you and I still had a discussion when it was around 2000, maybe under 2000. Um, so uh, can you share a little bit what happened last year and then uh, what happened during the correction, some of the factors that played into that um, and what's going on now? Sure. So my outlook, if last time we spoke, Bitcoin was approximately 2000, uh, then my outlook would have been still reasonable. My outlook would have either been, hey, 3000 midsummer is, is a good enough high for the year. That means we've got up 3x a bit of a correction. Uh, once we started, once we hit that 3,000, had a minor correction, I was able to call those fairly well. After that, we started going up and my target for year end was 7,500. I felt that 7,500 was a pretty big run up. That would be a 10x move from November of the prior year to November of the current year, 2017 at the time. Listen, we've just gone up 10 times, Bitcoin from 700 to 7,500. That was a great technical uh, signal as well to get out of the market. And I warned people of that. I thought I called it pretty well. Uh, we did pull back about 33%. We fell from 7,500 down to just about 5,000, which I called very well for my followers. Then I expected us to kind of get stuck in that $5,000 range going into 2018. Instead, we reversed and started going up fairly quickly. 
Once we made a new high above 7,500, I went bullish again, though lots of technical signals broke down. A lot of stuff breaks down once your asset starts to go into this exponential rise into a bubble, and no one knows when this bubble is going to end. So once we got above 7,500, I kept calling for more, uh, you know, hold it, buy it, you know, ride the bubble because you don't know where it's going to end. And it actually ended on the day of the CME futures launching. Yep. That was very, very interesting because as the CME futures started to develop, and that news came fairly suddenly. It's not like the Bitcoin ETF that has been talked about for three years and then finally <laughs> waiting for a decision. It was kind of like, hey, the CME, which is known for doing futures markets, that it's their expertise, they basically say, hey, we're going to do futures uh, for Bitcoin and it's going to happen in two months, right? It was like <laughs> very sudden. Yeah. And then, wow, everybody is preparing for that. CBOE comes out, which is another futures exchange. Oh, we're also going to do it. It's going to be in a month and we're going to start two weeks before the other guys, right? <laughs> so it was like really, yeah. really sudden. And this caught the Bitcoin community a little by surprise. Uh, a lot of the financial institutions potentially said, hey, uh, Bitcoin is becoming more uh, in, the in the domain. It's becoming more legitimized. It's becoming you know, safer for us to go into it without worrying about hey, this thing could actually be illegal in the near future. Uh, and the momentum and the hype drove itself to where the demand for Bitcoin completely outpaced the supply of Bitcoin. We drove this bubble into 20,000. And the day the CAV futures launched, they have very little volume. They have huge margin requirements, which is the information that we didn't really know. Like I kept waiting for that information. That information didn't come out till like the week before. So I'm looking and I'm like, oh, it's like 3x margin when you can trade oil at like 50x margin, right? So right. it's like, this is not a big deal at all. These things are not very liquid. And slowly the realization came that, yeah, it was a buy the rumor, sell the news event. And once the price starts to go down, now all the bad news starts coming up in the headlines. Everyone finds more reason why to sell instead of why to buy. Uh, once that euphoria is gone, uh, the Google searches for how to buy Bitcoin crashed as well. And uh, now we're in this you know, downward cycle that I'm hoping that we have completely completed. Uh, the 6,000 was a reasonable bottom. It's a little too early to declare Bitcoin is ready for all-time highs. It's very possible that we could make a lower low below 6,000. It's unlikely, but still possible. I have been uh, more bullish than bearish lately, and I am expecting uh, higher prices. Uh, it would be nice to break 20,000 in 2018, but we don't really have to. Compared to where we were just you know 15 months ago, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it 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 was a it was a very interesting study in the madness of crowds because I think once in the run up when the CME and the CBO and those guys announced it, then all of a sudden I think there was record amount of accounts open up at on Coinbase and Polynex and all these exchanges. I think Coinbase even sent out an email and I still kept it just uh, to document all of this, saying. Hey guys, uh, please trade responsibly. <laughs> so when I when I got that, I knew that the, the, the that there was a lot of folks that have never even they 
probably didn't even know what Bitcoin was, but they can open up a Coinbase account and, and coming in. And then um, when it did happen, um, as you mentioned about illiquidity, you do realize how different this market is because not only were the exchanges overburdened and a lot of them froze and a lot of people couldn't get in when the drop came, when the bob, when that little correction came, but they, so they couldn't sell it. And then also uh, there was no one to sell it to at that stage, right? Well, right. And that, that's the problem, right? Like once the market turns, you, if you're holding a big position, you have nobody to sell that position to. And if you go to sell it, you're going to drop the market more. So right. you end up holding it without the ability to sell. And what usually happens in these markets, you're afraid to sell because you're going to drop the price, but you're watching the price go lower and lower and lower. And yeah. that's why a lot of these market crashes end on a term known as capitulation, which is where the last guy that should have sold you know, at a small loss eventually gives up. He finally sells it all, and that usually happens at the very bottom because <laughs> he was the last guy to buy and he was the last guy to sell, and then there's nobody else left to sell. Right, right, absolutely. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with Bitcoin right now, uh, the, what's going on in the community as far as the goal for Bitcoin, because obviously we've seen that there was still high transaction costs. It still was a little bit slow, but there are things they're doing to make it better. Can you share a little bit about that and just what's going on in the, in the community as far as uh, the, the, the goal of Bitcoin and what Bitcoin is evolving into? Sure. Uh, well, the community is growing, and as you know, any community that grows tends to fracture along political lines, right? That's what kind of happens. It's very easy to make decisions in a group of 10. As that group gets to 20, you have a lot more problems. Um, also, uh, what happens in Bitcoin and many things, which is a bit debatable, you have experts. You have certain experts that lead to the top. Now, in science... You can kind of almost, it's much easier to tell the experts from non-experts. Like, you know who the experts are in, let's say, physics or, uh, you know, chemistry. It's a little bit different than knowing who the experts are in economics because that's uh, a little <laughs> bit harder to tell who the expert is. So right. um, I treat uh, Bitcoin more like a science than, like a hard science than a soft science like economics. And... Um, at the end of the day, Bitcoin will only be as secure as the code base under Bitcoin. Now, economics have to be taken into account because you're dealing with financial technology. But the technology part's more important because if the technology is unstable, if the technology is buggy, if the technology stops, then the economics really doesn't matter, right? Like, like the one thing we love about the internet is that the internet has never actually gone down. Your ISP provider might have gone down. Your, you know... Uh, your phone could be in a bad area that you have no service, but the internet itself is there. You know, there's someone within, you know, 100 miles of you where it's working just fine. Um, and that's kind of how I see Bitcoin. So when you have uh, people that disagree on the technological side of things, uh, they want to prove you wrong and they go their own way. So in the last year since we've had this interview, there has been lots of competitors to Bitcoin have popped up. Uh, because they feel that they have a better technological grasp, but in reality, they don't. Uh, their ideas got shut down by a very large decentralized group of developers in Bitcoin. Uh, 
one of the big fractions that happened was Bcash. And uh, they wanted bigger blocks, kind of like, hey, so we have a lot of traffic on our highway. If we double the size of the highway, everything is going to be better. Uh, and it's not. Uh, it's not better for multiple reasons, especially the fact that uh, building that bigger highway, you know, forces everyone to use the bigger highway and you just can't force them to do it. So uh, Bcash came and went. I think that, uh, no, the good days of Bcash are already behind us. I think the hype uh, has been capitalized upon. The price has pumped. It has dumped. Uh, I see no technological innovation on that side of the fork. And it's pretty much meaningless to me. Now, the side of the fork that I stayed with and the majority of the people stayed with was uh, the, the actual Bitcoin uh, controlled by, the, where the code is controlled by Bitcoin Core. And lots of amazing innovation is taking place there. Uh, segregated witness was the big code improvement that was needed in order to fix a bunch of bugs that prevented second layer scaling solutions. Because you can't have every single Bitcoin transaction take place on the Bitcoin protocol itself for two reasons. One, it becomes hard to process every single transaction because it's very data intensive. And two, the cost of that transaction is priced in Bitcoin itself. So as the price of Bitcoin goes up, your transaction fee goes up by default because you're paying for that transaction fee in a more valuable currency. So this opens it up to second layer scaling solutions that are going to be able to process thousands of transactions per second, and they're going to be very, very cheap. Uh, so a lot of people don't like this. They think this isn't pure Bitcoin, but no one is stopping you from transacting on the Bitcoin protocol itself. It's just probably going to be a little bit slower. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, and it may even be a little bit less anonymous. But if you want to do it, no one is stopping you. Uh, and that was the big deal in that the other solutions that people were coming up with, they would have forced everyone to do what they're thinking. And there's no way you're going to force everyone to do it. So the Bitcoin network was going to split. Uh, this solution is a lot more elegant. It's a lot safer. And uh, so far, no bugs and everything is going very, very well. Uh, the Bitcoin mempool is back to being completely empty. And I'm starting to realize, as I kind of knew, but people didn't believe, Bitcoin isn't as popular as people think it is. There aren't that many Bitcoin transactions going on, especially in an environment where the price of Bitcoin is going down. It makes people want to hunker down and not spend their money. Uh, and a lot more money uh, in Bitcoin is going to be spent when we go back up. But I'm loving these developments. I think that Bitcoin has a very good chance of scaling uh, thanks to Lightning and all of these innovations done by hundreds of very, very smart computer scientists that continue to prove themselves in the arena of programming. Now, the other question that I had too, so you're mentioning people aren't spending it a lot. So it's not really used as a medium of exchange really, but a lot of people are buying and holding it. Do you at some stage see that it's going to transition and become a medium of exchange, or is this just something that people are going to hold on to because of the limited uh, supply in circulation uh, and uh, as a store of value? Well, that's an interesting question because there's a couple of ways to look at it. And to me, I can see it being a medium of exchange, but now, uh, you know, I can play my own devil's advocate on this all day. You are dealing with something that was inherently built 
to continuously go up in value. So you're not exactly encouraged by the economics of the Bitcoin network to go out and spend it. You are more encouraged to spend money that's going to depreciate in value than money that's going to appreciate in value. So mm-hmm. in, order for a pers- in order to get a person to really spend their Bitcoin, one of two things have to happen. It either has to go up in value to the point where the person says, you know what, I'm worth a million dollars. Why am I driving a 20-year-old car? Right, Lila? Like at some point, right, (laughs) you're going to want to spend because uh, you you, you know what I mean. You know where I'm I'm heading with this, right? Um, The other situation, and this is the really important one in Bitcoin. Bitcoin, sure, Bitcoin has the ability to become one of the best and most seamless uh, medium of exchange there is. But the reason why Bitcoin, why Satoshi gave Bitcoin to the world is to provide a censorship-resistant me, uh, payment method, not the, the fastest and cheapest and seamless, right? It was the censorship-resistant part. Now, I'm hoping that our uh, computer scientists can one day do that. But hey, government can compete with that, right? The government and banks can easily compete on speed and cost because your email got to you within seconds and for free back in 1997 when Yahoo and Hotmail came out. Your money can easily do the same thing, right? There is no technological barrier for the governments or banks to give you instant, cheap payments. It's all regulatory issues. So the government can compete on that. Where the government cannot compete at the moment is making those payments censorship resistant. And that's where Bitcoin competes. So today, 80, 90% of Bitcoin being used are in cases where people have an issue with censorship resistance, not because it's faster or cheaper, but because it's the only way to pay for something, or it's the, it's the way to pay for something that has the le- the, a lesser chance of getting them into trouble uh, with the law or whatever. Now, Having said that, you are starting to have more and more people that earn their salary in Bitcoin, right? So if you earn all of your salary in Bitcoin, uh, many people do that uh, even for legal means. A lot of people only want to accept Bitcoin. And now they have to spend that Bitcoin to pay their bills. And then you have, and the number of these people are going to slowly go up. Uh, so, so this is all good. You don't want this thing to become a medium of exchange today. Also, what happens when Bitcoin is the dominant medium of exchange across the world. Now we're talking about a one-world currency, which is, again, something very debatable and most people do not want. Like, like nobody wants a one-world currency. Uh, even though it's kind of convenient to have few currencies, imagine America if every single state had its own currency as you drive around America. And you can take it one step further. Imagine if every single bank in every single state had its own currency, right? That would right. not be a very efficient economy. Uh, but on the other hand, if the only currency in the world was the U.S. dollar, that probably would also not be a very efficient economy. Right. So I, I just want Bitcoin there. I still want government currencies to actually exist and Bitcoin to be that check to make sure that governments are printing their currency in a responsible fashion. So it, it, it's almost like uh, the, the element that's going to keep them honest, because if you destroy the value of your currency, 
people are just going to flood into Bitcoin and, you know, your, your currency is going to, is going to be worthless. It's Co- very interesting. Oh, sorry. sorry. On that yeah, note, go ahead. And that's a good point because, for example, let's say Canada completely screw up their currency, right? Mm-hmm. The citizens of Canada will probably switch to the U.S. dollar because America's right here. It's pretty right. easy to source physical U.S. dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still a little bit tricky. Uh, but Bitcoin makes that a lot easier. Like if some governments screw up their currency, uh, it's a lot easier to just, yeah, sure. Like people will just accept Bitcoin uh, because accept, or accept U.S. dollars as well. And America has done that. Like many countries peg to U.S. dollar for that reason because they don't want to deal with their own currency. You're listening to Tone Vase on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. You're listening to Tone Vase on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. Talking about money, I'm always fascinated about money and the history of money and where money is going. There's a lot of, obviously, a lot of other cryptocurrencies and it's very easy now to tokenize and, and create a token. There are obviously leaders and, and sufficient ones. I mean, Bitcoin is obviously at the forefront of this. Ethereum is there. We've had Litecoin dashes in there as well, competing uh, Monero, Bitcoin Cash, as you've mentioned. Um, is there a place for everyone in this ecosystem or is this going to be one of those where uh, the network or of one is going to dominate over the other, or is it kind of like a Facebook, Twitter, uh, all these other different networks coexisting uh, alongside each other? Um, I see a winner-take-all scenario. Uh, okay. Winner-take-all scenario with a few strangler, uh, stranglers, you know, but you don't know who those stranglers are going to be. Um, I also think that. Uh, the leader will continue to dominate. Like, for example, if I tell you who's the leader in uh, online merchandise sales? Yeah, Amazon. Amazon, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, who's second? Now, eBay is different because eBay is more auction, right? So they have a little niche, right? But right. who's Amazon's second biggest competitor in the U.S.? Uh, online? Oh, wow. That's... You wouldn't even know, right? I don't even know. I'm thinking like Walmart, but they don't even do a lot of online stuff. Right. So, uh, exactly. You don't even know. Now, I can name one only because of the crypto space, and it's very popular, and that's Overstock, because they're one of the first companies to accept Bitcoin. Their CEO was big on Bitcoin. So, Overstock is like a very small Amazon competitor. And over the last 10 years, what have we seen? We've seen Amazon continue to separate from the other people in the space, right? Mm -hmm. So... To me, uh, the, the other example that I have is like the uh, people are comparing all of these altcoins and all of these like ICOs and all of these blockchains uh, to the dot-coms. And I compare them to the dot-coms as well. But their view is that, hey, 
dot-coms had some winners, even though they were mostly losers. Sure, they did. But remember, 99.9% of all the dot-coms that had funding and had money, they all failed. Right. Your ability to select the few that succeeded, uh, you didn't have that expertise. Like, I can guarantee you that at one point, nobody knew that Amazon was going to win and Pats.com was going to lose because they were the same exact business. They just started with a different uh, first product. One started with books and the other started with pets, right? But Amazon is doing everything Pats.com set out to do. So, uh, but there was one winner in that space that never actually looked back and that was the internet itself. Uh, Mm -hmm. The amount of people using the internet only went up and the amount of people using the internet continued to go up throughout the entire uh, dot-com bubble. More and more people were coming onto the internet even though all of those companies were failing. Uh, I'm actually very curious if internet usage actually dropped during the housing crash because during the housing crash, it was a very different bubble. As I'm sure you were doing, pod- were you doing podca- podcasting back then or not? No, yet? no, not, not yet. No, not yet. But you were in the financial business world, right? Yeah, I was in real estate. So I owned properties and operated within that space. Absolutely. Right. So, so the big difference, and, and I worked for the banks. I mean, I worked at Bear Stearns and <laughs> the amount of, and I didn't see it at the time, but I see it now. Uh, when the banks went down, uh, the entire uh, you know, American business system was in danger because if every single business all of a sudden loses all of their financing, all of their credit lines, uh, everything could have kind of collapsed. And so many people lost their jobs. The auto industry was going under. Small businesses were going under. Obviously, the banking industry was going under. And at that point, did enough people lose their jobs that they had to cut back on their internet bill? And that's what I'm really curious about. Did internet usage drop because of people's financial standing? Because that didn't happen during the dot-com days. More and more people were buying cell phones, even right. with, with the crash, because the S&P didn't suffer like the NASDAQ did. Right. So at the end of the day, I, I see Bitcoin continuing to grow. All of the scientific innovation is happening on Bitcoin. So while the dot-coms, you know, they are high school dropouts who think they're geniuses will come and go, all the innovation was happening under the ta- uh, underneath in the underlying layer to make sure the internet will be stable for future. That's how I see blockchain. I see the blockchain as that underlying layer that's going to have more and more security with more and more mining and more and more secure code. And in the future, all of your businesses will be u- that utilize the blockchain properly will succeed just like businesses that are utilizing the internet properly will succeed. And those businesses that remained utilizing the internet properly during the dot-com boom, and they had an idea, and they had revenue, and they you know, had innovation by utilizing the internet, they succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how I see it. And all of these blockchain competitors, I don't. Because at the end of the day, they're all competing for the same electricity. They're all competing for hardware investment. And mm-hmm. I, I do see a winner-take-all. We will have one public blockchain of dominance the way we have one internet of dominance. Uh, and I also don't see a point in all of these application tokens. These application tokens try to convince you that you must have their token to use their product, yet Amazon doesn't force you to use their stock to purchase from Amazon. Right. Just, uh, their business is to sell you a product. 
So if your business is to sell a smart contract and the execution of that smart contract, why are you forcing people to use a currency that you invented? Why can't people use the currency of their choice? Because at the end of the day, they're trying to execute a smart contract, uh, not trying to speculate on your platform. Uh, like you don't want to force uh, Netflix users to be speculators in Netflix. You don't want to force Amazon users to be speculators in Amazon. Uh, those are two very different things. Uh, so I see absolutely no need for these application tokens. All of these ICOs are the dot-coms of the 90s, uh, and they're just issuing unlicensed, unregistered securities, and the SEC is starting to go after them now. Uh, so uh, you have some honest competitors like Monero, like Litecoin, but at the end of the day, if all the innovation takes place on Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin should separate from those other competitors over time where Bitcoin will be the better investment in the long term, uh, though those might still be there. For something like Dash, uh, I, I'm not a fan of that project at all. I have a podcast about it. Uh, the lead developer of that one uh, you know, created like 20% of it for himself. He claims it was a bug. Uh, I, I take the other side of his statement, and he never gave the money back, held on to it, even if it was a bug. And now, uh, basically, that was a project to make one or two guys rich. And once you get rich, you have funding uh, to advertise and to do all the stuff and to do giveaways and to get other people to buy into your idea. Now, can that last indefinitely? Maybe, but I don't think that it will. I think science will rise to the top and uh, the science is taking place on Bitcoin. Yeah, and now, and you had mentioned a couple of other altcoins and uh, the application tokens and, and so forth. What do you think about the, the new kind of way how these companies are raising capital? I found that really interesting where in the past, if you start something, you have to go to a bank, right? Or get fund to an angel investor to raise capital for your idea or your business and then grow your business profitable. And then eventually, if you want to take it public, you have to go to Wall Street to one of these banks and then list it on the stock exchanges and then sell it to the public, which now with the issuing of these ICOs, I guess, people can get in right, right in the beginning to invest in a company. What do you think about that, how some people are doing it? Or is that just something that you see that's just going to go by the wayside as well? I, th I, I think it's absolutely terrible. I, I, okay. I think it's going to lead to this giant bubble. Like I, I know you, ex you, you, you just explained this complicated process and very expensive process. And for a company to get that angel investing, they have to give up you know, 20 to 30% of their company for mm. that seed funding. Right. And then they have to go to Wall Street and then they have to deal with that to go IPO. But what people have to realize is much as we all hate that regulation, uh, that regulation came about because of thousands of years of problems with uh, anyone soliciting unqualified people for money. So right. all of this has gone by the wayside. And now you have a person that's able to solicit absolutely anyone, no age restriction, no geographical restriction. Now they all going to claim, no, 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 we only sell our, our tokens to uh, people that will identify themselves. Sure. But within a week, that token becomes anonymously traded in the space. And all you're doing 
is giving a bunch of this for free or very cheaply to influential people that will, you know, hype up your idea with, and those people know they can immediately sell it on the open market. And after that, more unqualified people are buying into it. Now, as much as we hate all that, the reason why that's there is to prevent scammers from just, you know, running Ponzi schemes left and right. Right. And while everyone thinks that their idea is worth $100 million and that they think they will change the world with that idea, when they bring this idea to qualified VCs and angel investors, they are a little bit smarter that are going to ask critical questions and they're going to want something in return and they're going to try to hold you accountable. And I know you don't want those things, which is why you go ahead and go ICO to get as much money as you can from the most unqualified people as you can as early as possible. And then there is absolutely no recourse with anything else that you do. Because from there, everyone that's involved with your initiative can leave. There's nothing forcing them to, right? Now, you're going to say that you're honest and you're not going to do it. But, you know, there, there is a reason why all that regulation exists as much as we all hate it. Right, right. And, and I've seen that too about the celebrities, quote unquote, in the space promoting certain tokens. And obviously, there, there's some sort of arrangement. I was waiting for uh, Hollywood celebrities to start coming in when this, when this really gets into a mania. It's already happening. It's just okay. happening on a small scale. Yeah. Uh, someone just sent me a picture from like a train. Uh, I don't remember in what, in what state or maybe in Canada. And it's yeah. like one of these tokens, like Sylvester Stallone is involved, and <laughs> involved, and well, like it's happening. It's yeah. already happening, and right. uh, it's unfortunate. It depends on who these people's advisors are, right? Right. Like, you tend to trust your friends, and when you are rich and you are famous, you are generally pretty busy. Like um, I don't think, like I'm not rich, and I don't think that I'm famous. But the amount of messages and emails I get on a daily basis is completely insane. And uh, I've been so busy with the whole Bitcoin thing. Uh, I, I have had a hard time keeping up with politics. I've had a hard time keeping up with traditional economics. So uh, when you're this busy, you don't really know what's going on. So you're going to trust your friend that will convince you that he understands blockchain and he understands Bitcoin. And if your friend is a... ICO pumper, he's going to get you into this thing and he's going to push all of the liabilities onto you because you're the famous guy who's going to have his face out there. Now, at the end of the day, your excuse is going to be, well, I didn't know I'm just an actor and right. probably get away with that. But not everybody will because it depends how big the scam actually gets. Right. And so for the listeners out there, if you and I also, I get a ton of uh, ICO emails daily of people asking me to promote stuff. So be very, very careful with this stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things that buyer beware and buyer really, really beware when it comes to this. Uh, and especially when it's starting to froth, uh, which I think we're still going to see an enormous mania ahead. I don't think we've seen anything yet. Uh, this 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 original one, I think, was just shaking out a bunch of folks that kind of jumped in, you know, and uh, with the, with the correction, they were kind of sh sh uh, sh shaked out. Uh, so I think there's still a lot more folks coming in. Um, yeah, I, I keep I keep raising my 
price. I keep raising my price. Just yesterday, someone <laughs> asked me how much it would cost to, uh, you know, to come on my YouTube channel to advertise their ICO. And, mm-hmm. I, and I told them it would be $10 million uh, up front <laughs> in Bitcoin. And then I said, well, uh, you know, I, I had a third of my followers uh, about three months ago. Uh, so I've recently raised my price from 1 million to 10 million. And if you wait any longer, I'm going to raise it to 100 million because uh, I'm basically pricing it based on my reputation, uh, right. based on how many followers I have and what is my reputation worth. And at the moment, I'm estimating my reputation is worth about $10 million, but pretty soon that's going to go up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So let's look at the technical side of Bitcoin. Uh, you being uh, really good at the technical side of analyzing and analyzing it uh, every single day. What do you see happening uh, now in the next month? I know that you said that there could be potential for a downside, but what do you see in, in the next six months for Bitcoin? What does Bitcoin do? Yeah, a lot of people are asking me that. And lately, I've been trying to stay away from that question. Because while last year, I was very, very confident that we were going to go up. Now, I, it was hard to say at what price we're going to reach. So as we're breaking my target, I just raised the target. That's really not... Uh, that's perfectly reasonable as a trader because as a trader, your analysis is only as good as the last price point that you saw. Right. Uh, so like when I go to bed, I have one outlook. When I wake up in the morning, I, have a, I may have a completely different outlook based on right. what happened overnight. Now, right. hopefully I was right. Of uh, my, my evening prediction was is what happened in the morning. So for example, I know this is going to air a couple of days later, but as a general example, um, Two days ago, I was expecting higher prices. Uh, 24 hours ago, I warned all my followers on my public YouTube channel, hey, uh, this week, uh, as, of, uh, as of midweek this week, uh, we're, we should have a one to four day correction. And after that, I'm expecting us to go back up. However, uh, if I'm right about the one to four day correction, we need to reevaluate the environment as the one to four day correction is completing, because the one to four day correction could lead to a one to four month correction. And at the moment, I have no idea. And unlike a year ago when I was very bullish, uh, right now uh, I see reasons for why we have not bottomed at 6,000 and we could still go lower. Uh, but I am leaning more to the upside that we should go back to all time highs. Can we break 20,000 this year? It's possible. Is it likely to happen? Probably not very likely. Um, I can see us going up and staying in this $10,000 to $20,000 zone till the rest of the year and then break out next year. Now, at the moment, uh, so this is, uh, we're in the second week of March. So I am looking for, uh, you know, a few more days of downside and then probably back up, but I will be reevaluating. Uh, going into the third week of March, I am leaning bullish. I am leaning to that $15,000 range. Uh, but this is one of the reasons why I now make daily videos and sometimes twice a day videos because the environment is so tricky at the moment uh, based on technical trading, uh, even short to medium term. Uh, the, the picture is not clear and it changes by the day.
Very interesting. Uh, Tone, this has been fascinating to have you back on. I always enjoy our conversations and appreciate you and your time. Uh, where can my listeners reach out and uh, check out all of your daily videos and where can they follow you on Twitter uh, and uh, where can they, they stay in t- informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Sure. I'm pretty much Tone Vase everywhere. Um, except my website, which is libertylifetrail.com. But if you happen to Google tonevase.com, it will redirect you to libertylifetrail.com. So I pretty much uh, dominate everything tonevase. Just please be careful. There are so many scammers pretending to be me. Um, over the last few weeks, I've been dealing with these same ICOs texting me saying, hey, so you gave us an offer to advertise on your YouTube channel. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that wasn't me. Uh, so I hope you didn't pay that scammer for it. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are pretending to be me, but Tone Vase on Twitter, uh, that one is mine. Always check follower counts. Uh, Tone Vase on YouTube as well, uh, though uh, just Google me on YouTube for Tone Vase. Make sure it's a channel with hundreds of videos and you know thousands of subscribers. There's just so many imposters out there, uh, but those are pretty much the main ones. Uh, Tone Vase on YouTube, Tone Vase on Twitter, and LibertyLifeTrail.com. I haven't really been posting much written content, but my travel schedule is there. My seminar schedule is there. I educate people on how to be traders. I try. I don't want people following my trading calls. I My trading calls all come with explanations why I feel the way I feel about that call. And I put on trading seminars at least twice a month somewhere in the world where I educate people in boot camps how to make their own decisions when it comes to trading. Uh, so check those out. There's also an educational section of my website that teaches people how to be traders. I want people to make their own decisions to the best uh, technical analysis has to offer. Fantastic. Well, Tone, thank you so much again. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you. And thank you for uh, providing so much value for my listeners. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja and thank you for all of your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gosh Good newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44. 44- Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you now can also participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments, Penumbra Solutions, at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies will not only disrupt money, but every industry on the planet. These new innovations and technologies will affect every area of our lives in the future. The cryptocurrency course teaches you everything you need to know about getting started and profiting with cryptocurrencies and also includes expert training from the top crypto experts in the world. You will learn about how to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies how to safely store your crypto, how to become a sound investor, even if you're just a beginner, and how to apply blockchain technology to your business. 
You can watch a free crypto masterclass and grab the crypto course at cashflowninja.com forward slash crypto course. The wealthiest investors on the planet know how to capture their wealth and leverage it to perpetually grow it. If you're interested in learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.